Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening his word. Good morning. We're going to be in Psalm 46, which is on page 441. Psalm 46, page 441 in the Bible, in the seat back in front of you. My name is Parker Gregg. Um, My wife, Mindy, and I have been members at the Door Church since 2019, back in Louisville, and we helped plant the Argyle campus here. Uh, We've got three kids, Nora, six, Larkin, three, and Roby, eight months. Mindy and I serve both on the worship arts team. She's the really cool drummer up here. I just play guitar. It's not as cool as drums. We also lead a discipleship group. Again, we're in Psalm 46, page 441. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. This is the word of God. Appreciate it, Parker. Uh, good morning. My name is Brad. I'm the campus pastor here, if you don't know me. And I'm, I'm just so thrilled to be with you, to get to sit under God's word. And this is our, our last psalm in our, our summer in Psalms, our Palms of Praise, which is always we're always preaching out of the Word of God, so I'm always excited about what we're doing next. But I'm also I'm, I'm, I'm bummed because this summer, I don't, I don't know about you, I don't know if you've been here, but um, not because the preaching is good, but because the Word of God is good. I, I just feel the Lord has worked in me so powerfully this summer. Um, sitting in these Psalms, I feel that He's led me to repentance. I feel that He's restored my soul in so many ways, that He has led me to rejoice in Him in, in new and special ways. And so I'm, I'm so grateful um, for these Psalms and to end on Psalm 46 is, uh, it's just appropriate. Um, this is a song. So you, 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 the little subheadings in your Bible, in your Psalms are there for a reason. They're not, they weren't added later. They were there for a reason. So the sons of Korah were, were some musical people. They were helped leading the congregation in praise. And Psalm 46 is, is a song of confidence for God's people. It's a song that we can sing out and even, kind of stir up spiritual swagger in God. 
And so I love verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What is verse 11? It's again, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so we, we can take confidence, take courage in who God is. That's what this song is for. It is to reorient us. I know that we are all, I know I am, looking for calm waters in my soul. A sense of peace. A sense of home. A sense of being okay. And so this psalm in the Word of God, it it points us to who God is, reorienting us and giving us a sense of peace and assurance. And so verse 1, if we just walk through this psalm, verse 1 says, God is our, our refuge. God is our safe place. God is where we go to hide. He's our refuge. He is our sense of, of strength. I don't care how physically strong you are, your strength will fail. How how. how spiritually strong you think you are, your, your strength will, whatever it may be, your strength will fail. He will never fail. God made the earth with the declaration of his voice. Genesis 1, he just says, let there be light, there's light. Let there be water, there's water. Let there be animals, there's animals. By the declaration of his will and his word, he creates He creates ex nihilo, out of nothing. God needs no materials to build from. But just out of the the creative benevolence of his heart and his mind, he, he creates. He is strong for his people. He is available as well. He is the very present help in trouble. Well proved source of help in the midst of trouble. If God is powerful, but He's not there for you, if He's not near, that's not helpful. If you're in the middle of the ocean and you're on a boat and it begins to sink, it helps you not at all to know that there is a well-supplied Coast Guard 150 miles away that cannot get to you in time. But the nearness of that help is so important. He is a very present help in trouble. And so then there's this contrast of waters. Do you see that? Verses 2 and 3, and then verses 4 through 6. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Look at what what is, is creating the chaos. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Have you ever been in the middle of the ocean when a storm was coming? I grew up in Houston, and so my my grandparents had a beach house in Galveston, which some of you might call the floating ghetto, or it's like brown water that has flesh-eating bacteria, which is, it is true. Um, But it was home to me as a kid, and we would go fishing all the time. My grandpa had a boat, and so we'd go out there, and we would catch trout and redfish and all that. Sometimes a storm would blow in. And it was eerie. If you've been in a storm on a lake, that's, that's nothing. If you've been on a storm in salt water, even the Gulf, 
When a storm comes in, you feel very small. You feel very out of control. You are at the mercy of the elements. So the Psalms are poetry. Not talking about a literal experience of roaring waters, but about that chaos that can be in your soul. Do you ever feel out of control? You ever feel like your, your life is, is, is dangerous, is roaring, is confusing, you're not sure what's going on? Maybe your circumstances do that, or maybe it's just inside of you, but there's this, this roaring chaos of life. It could be headlines, it could be your relationships, it could be your finances, it could be your health. It's chaos. Lack of control, like you're a boat bobbing in the midst of a storm, and there's nothing you can do about it. And there's very real danger there. The waters roar and they foam, the mountains move. I mean, there's this sense of dread that we can have. It's like sometimes the things that you fear are real. Like maybe you're afraid of dying. Well, death is, is, is coming. Maybe you're afraid of that relationship ending. Maybe it, maybe it will. And so there's this sense of fear if you're just honest. Like, man, there's messed up stuff in this world. There's messed up stuff in me. Chaos. Roaring waters. And there's, there's real power to that. Water is powerful. Water moves mountains. Water creates the Grand Canyon. Water is powerful. And so the psalmist is saying there's this chaos and then there's a, a contrast here, verses 4 and 5. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. And so this will be on the screen. The psalmist looks forward prophetically to Revelation, to the new creation. When the chaos is still, this is what it says in Revelation 22. This is the end of your Bible. The psalmist is looking prophetically forward by the Spirit of God, saying this, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal. Can you picture that? Bright as crystal. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and, on his, na and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. There is a new city. city of Zion, a city of, of new creation where there is no more chaos, there is no more pain. Chaos is not there, but God is there. God is in the midst of the new city. The river of life flows through the city, not bringing chaos and confusion and death, but bringing life and flourishing. So there's a promise. 
that someday God's people will live in this city in his midst with the calmness of his presence. Verse 5 says, this city, she shall not be moved. There will be no storm that blows in. There will be no enemies that come in and take her over. This city will not be moved. He reigns. Verse 18 or verse 8 says, Come behold the works of the Lord. This is a constant theme in the Psalms. Behold the works of the Lord. Remember the works of the Lord. Basically, open yourself up to who God is. Behold his works. Behold that he is sovereign over all. Verse 9, behold that he will impose peace upon this chaotic world. It says that he makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. The weapons of mankind are destructive and awful. I mean, if you have read about World War I, the, the tools of destruction that we create to kill each other are horrendous. Mechanical, chemical, there's all kinds of things that we use, and, and, and we've always done this, but, but you'll notice this today when we, we, we cancel people, we excommunicate people who don't agree with us. There's social weapons that we have. But God's weapons are supreme. And God disarms through His sovereign will, through His force, basically saying, your weapons are a joke. My will be done. My people will be redeemed. My city will be established. And my stillness will come. And my peace will reign because I am sovereign over the chaos. Over the waters. His voice declares it to be so and it will be. So there's a response to this, that there's chaos, that there's a new city coming, and that there's a God that's sovereign over all of this with a plan for his people. What's the response? Verse 10, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Be quiet. Stop. There's a sense that this, this verse means to literally shut your mouth. Stop talking. And the word also, it, it, it means, it means it's rafa is the Hebrew word. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I looked it up. It means to relax. It means to empty your hands. So whatever you're holding on to, your own strength, your fears, your sense of control, your sense of destiny, whatever you're holding on to, let go of that. Be still and know that He is God. And exhale and trust. You see, this is not stoicism. This is not, Stoicism is, is this, this resignation to fate. Stoicism is like, I'm going to suffer in silence, I will endure, and my face will not change. That is not what be still and know that I am God means. 
It is trust. It is heartfelt trust. It is relational. It is not resigning to fate, but trusting the God of fate. Surrendering to him in glad submission, it is very different. And so it is a sense of relaxation, of letting go, but also of reverence. Of coming under the sovereign Lord and understanding, you are God and I am not. Your word is supreme and I am not. And so I come under your word and I come under your gospel and I come under your commands and I gladly submit to your sovereign authority, to your kingship. But many of us don't do that. Many of us reject verse 10 and see something. This is both a comfort but it's also a command. He's not just saying, I invite you to be still. But it is just like when Jesus is in the midst of a storm. I don't know if you know the story. He's in the midst of a storm with some of the disciples and they're freaking out. And finally, he just commands, be still. And it is. So you might read that as be still or be still. But often we reject this. We don't like his means and methods. We don't like the way God chooses to work. God, why did you give me that illness? God, why did you let my marriage end? God, why did you let me go broke? I would never have done it that way. Why would you do that? So we question his mind. We question what he's thinking Or we question the outcome. Like, God, I don't know what's happening here, but I'm not sure that I trust that you're going to get it right. Like, can I really be still? Like, I'm not so sure, God. You seem aimless, God, or detached, God. Why? I'm not sure. Or some of us just reject verse 10 because we just reject God. Maybe you're here and you're like, I am not. I'm not sure about any of this. And so maybe you cannot be still because you do not know that he is God. Our sense of anxiety comes from our sense of godlessness. And that is for believers and non-believers. When we are disoriented, not oriented under God, under his kingship, under the God of Jacob, the Lord of hosts, we are anxious and we should be because what control do you have? Are you the king of your fate? Silence is scary. How many of you practice silence? ever. I don't mean being a monk and going on a silent retreat. I mean like ever. Like sit by yourself somewhere and be quiet without a podcast, without music. Go for a walk, what, whatever it may be. Can you sit in silence? You're alone with your thoughts. 
You're alone with your anxieties. Silence can be scary. So stillness. This is, if you get nothing else this morning, stillness is seeing Christ for all He is. Stillness is seeing Christ for all He is. He Himself is our peace. Ephesians 2, let's read that together. And see why He's our peace. I don't want to just make a declaration or a religious platitude that we just agree on. Like, yeah, He's our peace. It's like, why is He our peace? For He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross." Why is Jesus our peace? Why is He the Prince of Peace? Because He in His body has borne the wrath of God that we would be reconciled to this earth-creating, earth-melting, kingdom-toppling God. This God who moves mountains. This God who declares with His voice who shatters the spear and breaks the bow and burns the chariots with fire, this God through Christ can be on your side. No other way. You don't make this God happy by your good behavior. You don't just plead for mercy on behalf of nothing. This God, this kingdom-toppling, earth-melting God is not okay with sin, and so there must be justice. I read this morning in Romans that He is the just and the justifier. Perfectly just, and so Jesus takes that justice and therefore justifies us, reconciles us, that we would be not only tolerated but adored by this God Psalm 46 is talking about. Seen and loved and cared for. And that you would have a place in this city to come where the river of life flows through. And that though the earth gives way and the mountains move, you shall not fear. And so if this is foreign to you, I invite you this morning, repent of your sin, believe in Jesus. Trust His finished work that He has reconciled you to God the Father. You need to be reconciled. And you can be. And you can relax your own attempts to try to save yourself, to justify yourself, and you can say, Jesus, I can't, but you can. So don't you want to be at home in yourself? Don't you want to not feel that sense of chaos, of helplessness? Don't you want that sense of peace? That peace is found in Christ. The Prince of Peace. 
because He's the purchaser of peace. That He bore it in His body. God is a very present help in trouble. So present that Jesus in the heavenly community of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit eternally existing in perfect contentment leaves the heavenly community to put on flesh. He knows what summers feel like. He knows what sickness feels like. He knows what suffering feels like. What God comes to die that His people would be His instead of just demanding from them. Jesus came to perform on our behalf and to reconcile us that we could be God's. So he's not only very present, like in an ethereal sense, very present in the incarnation. He is strong. Death could not hold Jesus. The strength of resurrection. Therefore, if you know Christ, do not fear. Do not fear anything. That you have the promise of redemption and the promise of this Zion, this holy city. And so we can repeat verse 7 together. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We can hide in him. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He's our refuge. And so be still. What are you holding on to? What are you death gripping? What did you bring in here? Where are you not trusting God's means and methods? Do you see his perfect redemptive plan? Do you see the intricate beauty of the gospel? He always gets it right. And he's always righteous. And so the means and methods and the outcomes that he chooses are always perfect. And they're always for the benefit of the children of God. Always. So can you be still? Can you trust him? Let's just practice that now in, in prayer. And I'm going to be quiet for a second. And I know this will make you uncomfortable. And that's okay. In this sense of, of just quietness in this space, I would invite you to orient your soul under the kingship of God, that you would be still. And in just a moment, there's going to be just a moment of silence. If you're not a Christ follower in here and you're like, this is all weird, that's okay. This is a moment of silence for you. But if you are in Christ, be still.
Lord, you command us to be still. And we can be still when we know that you are God and we don't have to be. We don't have to calm the waters. We don't have to self-soothe. We don't have to fix everything. We don't have to save our own souls through our behavior. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear sickness or financial ruin or meaninglessness. Do you invite us to be still? And we are still here, Lord, in your presence. Jesus, we know that you purchased our ability to be still. That you, the Prince of Peace, the Purchaser of Peace, the one who calmed the storm, that through your reconciliation, through your suffering reconciliation, we can have quiet waters in us, even if our world, our lives, even our own souls want to churn and roar and foam. Jesus, you took the chaos, you took the wrath. And so we look to you, the King of Zion, the Lamb. And now, Lord, as we sing, would there be stillness in us? Holy Spirit, would you reorient our souls, our inner being, to lay down at the feet of Jesus as we sing now? Jesus, you are our refuge. In you we trust. Amen.